ESPN LA 710. Welcome to the experience here on ESPN LA. I'm Laferne Cusack. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy New Year to you. For more information on the show or uh, to download podcasts, please go to ESPNLA.com or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. Today, with us, the actor and health enthusiast, best known for the character Choir Boy in the 1991 film The Five Heartbeats. And as we all know, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of The Five Heartbeats. Mr. Tico Wells, welcome to the show, Tico. Hey, Feliz Navidad and Happy New Year. Feliz Navidad and Happy New Year. I'm excited for this uh, coming New Year because, oh man, I don't like to say it can't get any worse, but golly, what a year. (laughs) (laughs) It took butt and took names, 2016, really the end of 2015. But sometimes, you know, things have to get destroyed to be rebuilt and refurbished and renovated. Absolutely. Yeah. And you've had such a wonderful career. And I mentioned, again, The Five Heartbeats, which is like the ultimate movie everybody has to watch. Uh, Tell us how you got into acting and that led up to The Five Heartbeats. Well, you know, it's funny because without sounding racial, I'm going to make a racial statement. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, here we go. Brace yourself. I I call The Five Heartbeats a cult classic in the African-American community. Oh, yeah. And for all of your non-African-American listeners who haven't seen the movie, you know, go out there and check it out. It's a, it's a family movie, and, and families watch it, you know, every year on holidays and get-togethers, and, and it, it still has legs, and it's, it's just been amazing. Yeah. It was, um, it was like when I was growing up, it was the film that we got on VHS when we first got our VHS recorder. That's how <laughs> 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 we were watching our dad put that VH recorder on the TV and like wondering what the, what is this? What are we going to do now? Wow, you sound like my mom when I was a kid. She was talking about, yeah, we had 16, I think she had, what was it, 33. I know we had 33 and it was like I think 16, and then there were 45 records, Oh, then cassette tapes, and then 8-track tapes, oh, and yeah, more the cassette H- tapes, and then CDs, <laughs> and DVDs, and... The world VHS. has wow. changed. Wow, yeah. You know, I was an actor in New York. I went to New York University and studied acting. And, you went with my um, sister-in-law, Anne. I went with your sister-in-law, <laughs> Ann Cusack, the lovely Ann Cusack. Hey, Ann. And, um, you know, I started acting off-Broadway and getting little gigs and in New York and, and doing music and then was on the Cosby show and delivered the twins on that show. And one day, Robert, I, I was actually an extra on Do the Right Thing. And the casting director was sort of the liaison for Robert Townsend, who directed, wrote, starred in, along with Keenan Ivory Wayans, um, The Five Heartbeats. And when it came to town, this lady took all her favorite extras and gave us a shot to audition. And that's how I met Robert. That's awesome. And he, we did, I never saw a script. I didn't know anything about the movie other than it was about a musical group like The Temptations. And, and he, we went through different characters and we improv and then he turns to the casting director and goes, put him down for Choir Boy. He'd be great for Choir Boy. I knew nothing about what. I didn't know what Choir who? Okay, sure. Hey, man, good to meet you. And boom, I was gone. Wow. Next thing I know, I was flying to Hollywood. Uh, 
Wow, just like that. We say just yeah, like that, was, but it was a journey. Like, it was a couple couple of uh, you know months that gone by. I went to Atlanta to do the play Fences, which is now a movie. Mm-hmm. And I played the son, which now I'm too old to play the son. <laughs> I could play the father, but Denzel got that role. Yeah. But um, so I did that play with Kenny Leon, who has become a big, famous Broadway director now. Oh. And uh, I think he did Grease and did... Uh, the Wiz and all that kind of stuff. but Kenny Leon um, was Jesus in Madonna's video back in the day, right? No, not Kenny, not Kenny Leon. Kenny Leon is a, is, a, is a theater director and a film director. Oh, now. right. He... Leon, period. Leon. Oh, Leon, got it. Who Ken... was in the Five Heartbeats with us as JT. Kenny Leon directed shows at the Goodman in Chicago. Yes, with our yes. Good, you know, friend Harry Lennox, who we want to give a shout out to. Yes. His mom passed on Christmas. He's on the show Blacklist. Harry Lennox, we love you. Condolences to the family. And also Robert Townsend lost his mother two days before Christmas. So two of my brothers lost their mom. And I know what that's like because yeah. I lost mine in 99. And condolences to you. Thank you. You know, for your mom passing. May they all rest in peace. Yes. Party up there wherever they are. I know. Dimension. That's what I said to my friend. I was like, all our moms and dads are partying up in heaven. Celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> there must be a big yeah. old party. <laughs> and Carrie Fisher. Oh my goodness. And and Debbie Reynolds, bless them, and no more bills. <laughs> yeah. No more bills. Yes. So it, this is a great weekend because the Redskins have to win. You know I'm a Redskin <laughs> fan. I know you're a Redskin fan. Why why are you a Redskin fan? What's it, what well, I grew up in DC and most people in DC are either Redskin fans and then believe it or not, believe it or not, cowboy fan. What? The arch enemy of the Redskins. If you, <laughs> when the Redskins are, are like three and eleven or whatever, that's when all the Cowboy fans get cheap tickets and they are packed at the stadium. <laughs> uh, the year before Robert Griffin the Third was there, I, I was at a Cowboy Redskin game and it was freezing. Oh my god! And Cowboys were kicking the Redskins' butts, and nothing was left but white and blue jerseys in the in the, in the really? crowd. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing, but I think. I think it has something to do with the fact that, you know, I love the Redskins. I'm from D.C., mm-hmm. grew up in D.C. and in Maryland, P.G. County. And um, uh, the Redskins were the last team to allow African-Americans to play in the National Football League or in the Professional Football League. And as a matter of fact, my, uh, my stepfather's dad was very instrumental in helping to move that forward. Wow. And um, my, my stepdad's brother, who was my... My uncle um, is on um, Around the Horn a lot, Kevin Blackstone. What's up, so Kevin? We had seats at, at the old RFK Stadium. And as a child, I got to go to several Redskin home games. You had seats? We had season tickets, baby. What? We had season tickets, baby. Wow. I Back then, it was only 14 games. <laughs> I don't even know what that means to have season tickets. It was very cool. It was very cool. The Blackstones, that side of my family, my my, these are my step family. <laughs> my your family, family, yes. My family. Um, they uh, they had they had tickets and 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 we had four tickets. So my mom and my 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 dad would go, and then my mom and I would alternate. So now, my dad would get to go to all the games, and then me and my mom had to share. 
Now, we were talking about moms, and I, I know you wrote a poem about your mom after she passed away. My mom gave me football. How did your mom give you football? My mother was a very uh, astute baseball, football, basketball, tennis, golf, bowling. She was a very astute wow. uh, sports buff. And so she taught me the rules of football, basically. And whenever I, I love teaching women football because I'm basically paraphrasing what my mom told me. You got four chances to make 10 yards. And if you do that, then you get four more chances. <laughs> they call them down. So she really taught me the game, actually. And uh, my dad taught me how to play. And I played Little League for about three years. And then when I got to high school, I was kind of small, and I kind of gave it up and got into music and drama more. But um, I never gave it up. I can still throw the ball a country mile, as you used to say. <laughs> I always played quarterback and wide receiver, and I'm a frustrated football player. <laughs> yeah. But I still got my knees intact, so I'm, I'm, I'm oh, okay. Yeah. I still got my knees yes. and my brain. Yes. It's actually a crazy sport, really, isn't it? It, it is. It is. psychotic. It, it really is. I, I mean, a psychotic. <laughs> but I good mean, money. good money if you can get it. People love it. People I love, love it. it. I love the game. People love it. And the career is probably about two and a half years max for the average player from what I've heard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So in your way <laughs> of grieving for your mother, you write poetry, right? Or Well, I, I wrote a book of poetry and short stories and, and lyrics and things like that. And because I lost my five, like five people in a row, Dang. my mom, her dad, my dad's mom, my dad, and then one of my favorite aunts within nine months. So I was like scared to pick up the phone oh, right. between 99 and 2000. And I just decided to channel it and, Fortunately, I was one of those people who got to express how much I loved my parents before they died. Mm -hmm. So it was nothing lacking, nothing missing. It wasn't like, oh, I wish I could have told my mom right. about this. Or, I didn't have that, you know. And, and um, I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like they're with me all the time, like every day. You know, not far away, mm -hmm. energetically. Oh, yes. I can feel them. Yep. And I don't know if they can hear us. You think they can hear us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I I believe that. I believe it. Even when we're, like, having sex and stuff, watching? <laughs> no, definitely not they go, they go away. They go that. away, right, and then they come back. <laughs> then they come back for the regular stuff. Okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool. You know, they're wondering. keeping it 100 in the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out with Prince. I think... Being an actor and being a creative person, and I'm sure you can relate to this as someone who, who writes, and um, we live inside of stories. Everything is a story. Mm -hmm. And religion has stories. You know, uh, you know even racism is a story. It has a storyline to it. Right. Football is a big reality show. You know, sports in general. Everything is a story. Um, I came across that, you know, uh, several years back, the concept that, that maybe we're just in a, we're living a story and it, 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 most of the things that we trip out over don't really matter that much. Yes. Because um, you can flip the story, you can flip the perspective. Very much so. Just right then and there. Uh, I know 
we're just reviewing back and and you said racism and so Kaepernick came to mind. Uh, my boy, my boy. Now, why why is he your boy? Well, because in spite of uh, in spite of what's going on on the field with the Forty ers he had the guts to say, "I want to stand up for something." You know, brothers are getting shot for no reason. Black people getting shot by cops for no reason. And I have a platform big enough that I can make a difference. And and he did. He made some noise this year. It's kind of calmed down now. They've, they've gotten it back underhand to status quo, I think. But he made a statement this year that I'm very proud of him, very proud of him and very encouraged by him because I'm I'm a person who's, has a lot of fear around um, standing up for causes and things like that. I, I you know, I'm constantly thinking, oh, man, they're going to, the Illuminati is going to come and get us or whatever. But it doesn't really matter, you know. You're going to die one day anyway, so. Well, if you don't stand up for something, you, what is it, you can fall for anything? Fall for anything, that's right. But that's right. When Stephen A. Smith, mm-hmm. when he uh, criticized uh, Kaepernick for not voting, what were your feelings on that? You know, I love Stephen A. How he's risen to be such such a superstar. I love Stephen A. I love his vocabulary. Um, he's a he's a he's just a a ball of energy. I think in his position, he has to balance himself between being politically correct and actually keeping it one hundred. You know. The the right to vote or the right to do anything is a right. It's not a mandate. It's not. It's not. We're not under slavery to vote. Besides, as you know, in this election, it was shown that the majority of votes did not make the majority vote getter win the election. There's something called the electoral college, which most of us don't quite understand how it works exactly. <laughs> but we're smart or, enough to say there's an electoral college, or is it? Does it work? We don't. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. We're a copycat society. We're a copycat society, and we're doing our best to 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 seem intelligent as much as we can. But we basically just follow whatever they say. Follow and um, and, and Stephen A. You know, it sounded politically correct to say what he said. Nobody has to vote. Matter of fact, who are we voting for anyway? And do do we even know these people? We had Obama for eight years. Do we even know him? You know, most of us voted for Obama because he was black and he seemed intelligent and he has he has a, a, a calming personality. Uh, but to tell you the truth, do we really know what politicians do on a day to day basis? Uh, so I'm not a big fan of, of fronting to pr- try to pretend like we're so smart. We we don't know half of what's going on. I know, and that's what I said. I was like, Ooh, did I just say all that on radio? On, on this podcast? Oh, my God. That didn't sound like an, you know, yeah. on the line, did it? Well, so when Stephen A. Smith was going off about Kaepernick, I totally agreed with him, like, you need to vote. No matter what, you need to vote. But I was upset to hear that Kaepernick didn't vote. And then my friend Roy Hamilton, who he was responsible for having all these great sportscasters on all these different networks. He said, Laferne, you know, we never, ever see the national anthem on TV except during the Super Bowl. And Kaepernick was sitting out of the national anthem for weeks. And who brought it to the attention? 
the media. <laughs> yeah. It's not even aired on television. Nobody no. would have known that he was doing this. Uh-uh. And I was like, oh, right. And then he gave me a different perspective of, you know, Kaepernick, he does so much for the community that we're not even showing. He has meetings with the police department, with the community. He is doing more than just sitting out. He is putting action to it, trying to make a change, bringing the attention to what's happening, bringing our community together. Overall, I feel like if you don't want to vote for the president or whatever, you still at your the local level, that's where change happens. And you need to know your local issues. Even without him voting, he is doing more than the people that are going out to vote. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you ask anybody who's their congressperson, who's their delegate, who's their, uh, you know, senator, who's their house representative, Mm -hmm. you know, on the state level, on the city level. They might not even know the mayor of their little area they live in. You know, so it's it's like to me, it's like window dressing. And I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I'm. I'm facing what is honesty? What is an inte- what is integrity? What is it to actually be real? What is it to keep it 100? 100. <laughs> what is it to keep it 1000? 24/7. Don't know what that is because we 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 like, you know, in in school they told us about Pavlov's dog where they ring a bell every time they feed the dog and after a while then, you know, they ring the bell and the dog starts salivating. We're like that. You know, they say, Okay, it's Christmas time, go out and spend your money. Oh, it's Thanksgiving, oh go out and stuff yourself and get sick. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's Halloween. Go and make your kids sick. So, um, you know, that's that's something that, that we get to look at is what is being authentic? What is being truly caring about society. I mean, is football more important? As much as I love football, is it more important than the fact that I could get stopped by a cop and get shot for no reason? You know, I got stopped a couple of months ago, and these two cops scared me to death. And I, I just put my hands up, and I said, okay, what is going on? What is going on? Mm-hmm. And they're like, why are you so nervous? So I said, dude, I watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me like, uh, you know, don't believe yeah. everything you see. But um, what's not talked about is love in the school system and in society at large. Most people that I've known believe that we are too ignorant to love each other on a global level. And I never really believed that was true. I don't think it's easy because that's not how we're conditioned. But if we can put, if I can talk to you from here, one side of the town, you're on the other side of the town, on some little flat screen thing with no, not, not even attached to anything, I can look at pictures, videos, send emails, whatever. That's, this is some amazing technology we got in our cell phones. Right. If we can do that, we can create the family of man, man, woman. Mm-hmm. We can do that. But it has to be it has to be intentional. It has to be an intention of the leadership, you know, and trickle down because we follow the leadership. Most very few of us are independent thinkers. (laughs) What? We aren't. Did I say that? What? (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, that's what I see. That's what I see. Most most of us, you know, uh, I've been in this town for 20 going on 27 years and most people who don't live here, they go, why don't you, why aren't you on that show? Why aren't you on that show? Why aren't you on this show? And I tell, they say, are you still acting? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm an actor. I'm, I still pursue it. 
I still love it. I teach it. I do jobs whenever I can. But they don't realize that there's a whole political structure in place that says, okay, boom, Kevin Hart is the flavor of uh, the next five, six years. Yeah. Uh, You know, Tom Cruise, Denzel Washington are staples. They've made it beyond the flavor of the month. They are into the fabric. And the rest of you will throw you whatever to fight over, you know, like that. So it's a lot of fortune. There's a lot of praying and intentionality and patience and perseverance that's involved. And you just don't know, you know, even the Cleveland Browns want to (laughs) win. Oh, man. (laughs) That's rough, Tico. Okay, so... Just get touching back to uh, leadership and Colin Kaepernick. So the team just voted him the team's most prestigious award. A lot of people are still criticizing him. But again, you never know what people are doing off the field when they don't publicize it. So you can make a judgment on something that you may hear a soundbite to. Because let me tell you. You hear sound bites. They want they want you to hear a sound bite to bring you in to reel you in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, what courage did it take for him to say, you know what, this ain't right. This ain't right. This is not right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know, I have a I have a buddy that I went to high school with, and we we get together out in uh, Agoura Hills on Sundays and watch the game together. And he was so upset. At Kaepernick, and I just started telling him, you know, what it was like for me uh, in Laurel, Laurel, Maryland, at a sort of a predominantly white high school, to um, have a, you know, I had quite a few white friends, and a lot of times, you know, in things like band or drama, there weren't a lot of black males. And in a lot of arenas in in life, after that, there weren't a lot of black males or females. Mm-hmm. NYU, I was I was a dot. I was a dot in acting school. Um, so they don't. A lot of my white friends don't have the experience of of, of knowing what it feels like to be sort of. Oh, he's cool. He's he's one of the cool black guys. Yeah, we got black friends. Tico, yeah, yeah, he's cool. He's not like the. I mean, well, he's he's different. Yeah. You know, and and how as a black man, I have to be so conscious, so vigilant, so on point when a cop stops me for a traffic. Any you know, anytime a traffic cop stops, I'm like. On edge. Super vigilant. Yeah. And he and he looked at me, he says, Wow, you know, I never had to tell my son how to act when a cop stops him. Mm-hmm. And he turns over to his son, he goes, Hey, did you um did you ever when you got stopped the other day, did you feel funny or did you even think twice about that you could get shot or whatever? He goes, No, Dad, no. I said, Yeah, black people are actually having to train their kids how to say yes sir, no sir to the cops. Yeah. So it's not even that it's not even that he's racist. Mm-hmm. He's just not he's just not even aware that there's so many different experiences going on in this country. And I think a lot of uh, folks are not aware of the different experiences. You know, think about the Asian American community. 
how well are they represented in the National Football League? Mm-hmm. Name me one Asian football star. Are you putting me to a test? Yeah. <laughs> we don't even think about them when yeah. it comes to that. Name me one, you know, Asian sitcom. I think they have a few of them now. Yeah. We we just they have two. We don't even think of them. Right. Even when we talk about racism, we always talk black and white. Mm-hmm. We never mention Native American. We never mention mm-hmm. uh, Asian. We never mention a lot of other races. Always black or white. Black or white. Black or white. You know, um, so there's a lot of isms that that we have in our society, sexual, uh, racial, cultural, gang, even gangs have have their own prejudices against this one and that one. Yeah. You know, rappers going so forth and so on. Well, let's ask ourselves this question. What are we producing in our society? Number one, that we have so much fear of human beings. We have so many murders in the United States. We have so much violence in the United States. What are we producing? What is it that we're doing that we're producing this type of mentality? What are we doing that's producing so much hatred towards one another, um, abuse towards one another? What, what, what does that say about our society and what can we do? Where do we need to look? Because even... Uh, uh, Michael Moore's uh, Bowling for Columbine, when he was talking about the different murder rates around the, the, the world, we were like hands down at the top of the list. When it comes to diseases and sickness, we're up at the top. Why is the nation that we are told to say is the greatest nation in the world, why are we so sick? Is it a financial equation? Why are we still stuck on racism? We, people want to say we're all Americans when it's convenient. And then after the crisis is over, we go back to black, white, Latino, blah, hey, blah, 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 blah. That's blah, the blah. American way, Tico. Come on, Tico. Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and, then, and then someone like Donald Trump says to Kaepernick, well, go find another country. Or let me, let me, let me, let me do it a little better than that. I think Kaepernick, <laughs> if he thinks this country's so bad, why don't he just go to just go to another country? Okay, he can get out of here. Well, I also, I think with the police force, we also have to think about. You know, I talk about this before on my show. All the red tape that they have, all the restrictions, everyone that they come in contact with. What is happening within the police force that is creating that whole exactly mentality? Right. You know, and I think I think a lot like um, at South Central, they're having meetings with the community. They're talking. They're speaking. They they're getting to know one another, which yeah. I think is the key because when you don't know someone, you're ignorant. Yeah, yeah. You're ignorant. You don't realize they go to the bathroom, they eat, they celebrate, they have families, and on that level, on the ground level, we're all the same. They suffer it grief. It doesn't matter how much money we have, you know. But there seems to be a need for a certain group of people to stay in power, and therefore, in order to stay in power... We must teach this kind of divisive lifestyle. We must teach, um, you know, the haves and the have-nots. We must teach consumerism, commercialism. Um, you know, I, I, when I, even going back to, to sports, there's a lot of times I look at 
teams that perform poorly, and I, I look at them as if they're morons. And when I back up, I go, wait a minute, this is playing a game. Would I call, you know, my son or daughter a moron if they couldn't fly a Frisbee correctly? No, there are parents who, who would, because some of these parents in Little League, man, they are serious. Oh, my gosh. we can't, That's a whole yeah, subject. Serious. Serious. Yeah, but we, we you know, it's, it's it may be like a spiritual question. It may be a broader question, you know, as to why things happen on this planet like this. I Absolutely. But if you see all the bad, I think we are not accepting bad behavior anymore. As much as people are running with their fear, there is just as many running without that fear. And, yeah. and running with the fear is kind of like a, a snowball effect. And, you know, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. Oh, no. Oh, no. Such, oh, I heard this great interview um, on KCRW the other day about Russians and the bots, how mm. how they actually, you know, the, do the fake news stories. They're actually like really skilled at doing fake news stories mm. and that and how it catches on. Mm. And it was mm. it was really amazing because I was like, yeah, you know, and we read headlines and make judgments off of headlines and don't do any deeper investigation no. on it. And no. um, the the woman they had on the show, she was a journalist and the Russians created a bot for her saying dr- trying to demean her her book about, you know, Russian politicians and all of this. And her husband was running for office. So she doesn't know why this article was created, but this guy wrote this one article and it got picked up. He tracked it to uh, um, like four other legitimate sites and then it got picked up and then it spread. And then WikiLeaks actually retweeted the false article about her. And then that's Mm. when it like blew up. And I'm like, Mm. WikiLeaks actually retweeted this bot, this article that is is you know, false if you really did your digging? You know, who are we trusting? Are we just trusting the headlines? It reminds me of um, this Oprah segment one time where this woman came on and said, if you're blonde here and blue eyes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Remember that one where she convinced everybody in the audience that blondes were dumber than everybody else. And she got people to turn on these people and it was this whole experiment like i call, I, I coined sort of a phrase called the the reality maker and we're all influenced by the reality makers there are certain people that came to this planet that can influence large numbers of people and um and the average person is at the mercy of this this influence i'm a redskin fan because my family was a redskin fan i call myself an american because when i went to school I was told that I was an American. So it takes it takes some actual thinking and awareness to to actually come out and, and observe the, the surroundings that we have, you know. Who are the people that are joining the police force? What's what's the MO of a person who wants to join the police force? But also with that going getting back to athletes is like what's your identity so a lot of people say you know i'm a football player i'm a basketball player but what is your identity and some people cannot disassociate themselves from what they do and kaepernick he said that too he was like you know what i play football but you know it's not you know i'm paraphrasing you know it's not who i am what am i doing (laughs) you know yeah yeah i mean the, the 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 idea of of the skill 
quote-unquote skill of acting. And Marlon Brando kind of put it down a little bit. He's like, we're just... It's a, it, he put it to the point where they were blowing him up as the greatest actor that ever, uh, greatest American actor. And he said, I'm just doing a job. I'm doing a job. It's make-believe. This is not real. And on one hand, he's absolutely right, because any child can go outside and run around and play make-believe. But all of a sudden, once it becomes a business, we start evaluating and judging it and giving it awards. And, and what are we really doing? What are we really doing? We're telling stories. And... Great callback, Tico. Great callback. Love it. Callback meaning... Oh, oh you meant you did it at the front of this story, and now you brought it back to the story. To story. That, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, show business has such a dynamic effect on our society. We get to sit back and watch stories from a safe vantage point, and at the same time, our minds are being shaped by these stories. And, you know, the Five Heartbeats came out 25 years ago, and people come up to me in the store and say, wow, man, we watched that movie. I just watched it yesterday. We watched that movie every week. We watched that movie every Christmas. We watched, you know, and it's, it's this cult classic. It made an, and I'm not even, I'm, I'm looking for some avocados or something. Somebody <laughs> come up to me, hey, man, you know, you're choir boy from the Five Heartbeats. And I'm like, hey, hey, how you doing? And then I, it, it kind of throws me back into to this, this, this role that I play as, a, as, as Tico Wells. I play Tico Wells, the actor who played choir. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's a little bit weird. When I'm just a dude looking for some organic avocados, all of a sudden I get thrown into this, this paradigm because they think I'm somebody. And they actually think they, we think we know the actors oh, that we meet. I know. When I met Denzel Washington uh, in New York and, and followed his early career, um, you know, he was like a big brother to me in the industry, somebody that I looked up to and, um, and eventually got to play in a movie with him called Mississippi Masala. Even though I knew he was a person and I had watched him play Malcolm X in a play when I got to New York in 81 and watched him in a soldier's play and interview him for a class project and go to see him in another play and, and talk to him behind stage. And every time I would see him, I would say, hey, I'm that kid that interviewed you, man. And then to finally uh, be, play his younger brother in Mississippi Masala and then realize, you know, I know he's just a person because I'm an actor and he's a person and I'm a person. And but there's still this this superstar thing that gets in our heads and mm-hmm. we think they're not people, but they're people. We're all people. Kaepernick's a person. We're all people, and we all have different opinions and different perspectives, and we're affected differently by the reality makers. Mm-hmm. The reality makers tell us what to wear what clothes to put on, what, uh, what makeup to use, what hairstyle is cool, which car is okay. Is it okay to have an old car? How old can the car be? Mm-hmm. You know, is an old Pinto okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, as it long, no, not really. As long as it gets you from point A to point B. Yeah, but my see, dad always said unless that. it was a fixed-up, you know, souped-up, pimp-my-ride Pinto, <laughs> if we saw Denzel Washington drive up to the studio in a Pinto, yeah. we would think something is wrong. <laughs> He's supposed to have a, a, a Maybach or a, a Porsche or a Mercedes or yeah, but high-end car. When your, what is it, self-actualized, actualized? 
Is that right? Self-actualized? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You know, what the other people think, you're going to drive what you like. And that's that's the job. That's the job of consciousness. That's the job. That's what Kaepernick is saying. It doesn't matter how much money I make. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking with a fireman in the grocery store one day, and he was thinking that he was just so unpatriotic and blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know, would you choose your son or the flag if you had to make a choice? Which one would you choose? Your son possibly being shot to death by a cop, that subject, or would you choose the flag, which is an inanimate object? We as a society, as the world, we look to symbols to yeah. identify, to to lead. Like yeah. the symbols are so deep sociologically in our culture. Like I feel like, I feel like, you know, burning of the flag is... You know, I would never do it. You know, I, re- I respect the flag. I respect being American. But I understood what Ka- Kaepernick was doing by kneeling. He wasn't disrespecting all the people that fought in our wars, that put their life on the line. He was bringing attention to an issue that he, at that level, is able to do and, and not like the person down the street who is, you know, leading whatever. He put it in a platform that was a much bigger arena. And that's when, like, when I met you, I was talking about sports and talking about, you know, the show and why I love it. Because you can put issues with sports and people can hear about it. And maybe, you know, they can think a different way about an issue yeah. that they never would before. And I love yeah. I love doing that. I love the way that, you know, sports can connect all of us, you know, whether you're the fan or the athlete, you are connected. We are all connected. Yeah. And, you know, I think that when you go beyond your conditioning, you realize that people are people who have been conditioned in certain ways. And there are there are there are black folks that believe white people are a creation, a laboratory test. There are white people that believe that white people were meant to rule the planet. There are Asian people that believe that they are the smartest people. There are Jewish people that believe they're God's chosen gift to the world. And all of this is is cultural. All of it is conditioning, Um, you know, whether it's religious or family or whatever. We're all conditioned to these roles these labels, these habits and ways of being. And I know that I'm, a, I'm, I'm weird enough that I can at least listen to different points of view. I don't know how I got like that. I'm a Piscean, so many times people say, you're Piscean, y'all are y'all on another planet anyway. I, I don't know if, if, where it comes from, but I realize that we all got different stories, and we, to the degree that we bought those stories, uh, we have certain perspectives on life. Yeah. That that reminds me, like, my mom was Jamaican. I was in my 30s when I realized that the man with the machete doesn't exist. Well, he exists in Jamaica everywhere on every street. A man with a machete is cutting up mm-hmm. sugar cane mm. and yeah. coconuts. But I don't have to worry about the man with the machete on the street. But that no. was one of the tools that she used to help, quote, keep me safe 
Mm. You know, Lafern, mm. get in. Mm. The man with the machete is going to get you. And yeah, I was man. I was so scared of the man with the machete. And then we went to uh, Jamaica, riding on the bus, and everyone in Jamaica has a machete. <laughs> <laughs> a machete. A machete. Uh, you know, and it's yeah, like, oh, machete. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. I was conditioned. Yeah. You know, the thing about Jamaica, when we talk about conditioning, when I got introduced to Jamaica and it was like they were so eager to tell me that they speak proper English <laughs> and I didn't care about that I wanted to understand the patois oh yeah and they you know some of them their their, their patois is so um, uh, natural to them and their accent is when they speak English is so thick I, I it's hard for me to understand yes me but too. it's it's, it's you know, I always wanted to tell everybody that I met, you know, hey, man, you know, you're fine. You don't have to convince me about nothing. I'm here in your land, you know, or this land. Mm-hmm. I'm here in that land, you know, trying to enjoy it and learn and grow and, and, and see for myself what it's like to be here. And some of the most beautiful people uh, I've ever met are in that on that little island. And one thing that I realized, too, is that in order for us to build up our self-esteem as Americans, a lot of people feel we have to put down other places in the world. Yeah. When for me, there are beautiful people all over the planet. There are people who, in my estimation, are, uh, are challenged mentally, spiritually, emotionally all over the planet. And I don't put any one place above another place. One place may have more challenges than another, but that doesn't mean that this place is better. Doesn't mean that place is better. Doesn't mean, you know, if you're from the South, it's better than mm-hmm. if you're from New York City. And if you're from New York City, doesn't mean that you're better than if you're from somewhere else. Right. We're all on this planet floating through the universe somewhere or spinning or whatever the heck we're doing. And we really are just scratching the surface to understand who and what we are. And, and it's, it's a fascinating journey. It's a sci-fi, it's a sci-fi experience. Yeah. It's a multimedia expedition. And I heard um, someone say the other day that one of the most challenging things to do in life is to be ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm working with that every day. Well, I mean, you know? do you think it's... You know, we talked about cars and stuff. Do you think it's more difficult for men? I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's a gender thing. I think it's. It's enlightenment can come in the form of a male or a female human. I'll just say that. And yeah. the challenges of being human are not limited to any particular group or status. Whether you're David Miscavige from Scientology, or you're mm-hmm. Donald Trump, or Al Sharpton, or Kaepernick, or you know, you have a mental disease or you're Putin. Everyone is faced with the challenge of being alive and being human from your career, your survival, to being in your family, to raising kids, to what to eat, what not to eat, sickness, health. We're all challenged on part of this planet. Is This is a challenge planet. This is a challenged planet. I don't know what Mars and Venus and all the other ones are like, <laughs> but this right. is a challenged planet from day one. If you, you know, even in the, the, the King James Bible, they talk about, you know, on page three, there was Adam and Eve, and then they had Cain and Abel. 
and there's a murder that takes place right on page three. They didn't get very far <laughs> before the first murder happens. Cain sl- slayed Abel and then miraculously goes off to another town and finds a wife. So, you know, it's a challenge, <laughs> yeah. you know, in, in the stories. It's challenging, challenging in all of our stories. That's, and that's why we love reality shows and stuff. It's conflict, packed with conflict. The more conflict, the more competition the better, the more exciting it is. You know, this week, the Redskins, if they win and the Packers, Lions don't tie, the Redskins are in. If the Redskins lose, they're out. The Giants, what are they playing for? Should they play their starters? Should they not play their starters? Like, you know, in the long run, who really cares, you know? Oh, <laughs> really cares? What are you but, saying? Yeah, who really cares? No, nope. I'm not gonna talk about the Chicago Bears. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. don't. But I'm not gonna talk about that. But but, but the Packers, Packers, right? But with sports, I think with all the stuff that's going on, sports is a way that you know a lot of fans, you know, are able to cope with the week ahead or be immersed in that challenge, that story of the underdog, you know, is Washington, yeah. are the Redskins yeah. really going to, you know, win yeah. over the Giants? I'm sorry, I didn't mean the Packers, Broncos, Broncos, Bears. That's over your, your guys, right? Yeah, Broncos and Bears. Broncos and Bears, Broncos and Bears, yeah. 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 But yeah. It, it's something. It's like David and Goliath. Who's going to win? David and Goliath. <laughs> David and Goliath. It's, it's competition. We want to... We want to choose sides. We like sides. We're conditioned to, to not see everything holistically necessarily. I don't think it's anything wrong or right with anything that's going on on the planet. I'm actually trying to eliminate those concepts of right and wrong out of my vocabulary. Yeah. Because uh, my version of right and wrong only exists within my conditioning. You know, uh, I could say I would never kill somebody, but if... I was in a situation where somebody was trying to harm me or my loved one, and it was a last resort. I can't say what would happen necessarily. You can say, I would hope that I would react, you know, in a way that... You know, open up my Superman shirt and <laughs> resist bullets, and, you know, scoop my family up like Superman and fly away. Right. We're all, you know, there's a lot of Christians that are military people. And one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not kill. Mm-hmm. But believe me, when they get into the military, if they're in a situation where they got to shoot their arm, you know, their their weapons and kill somebody, that all goes out the window. So I say that to say I don't know what I say that to say, <laughs> but I say that to say. Something. <laughs> love it. We're bizarre. Oh, yeah. Humans are bizarre. That's 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 why we love storytelling because yes. we get to sit back and and hear the stories of our insanity. <laughs> I love that. The stories of our insanity. Yeah. Of our, you know, the, the tabloids sell so much mm-hmm. because, oh, wow, Johnny Depp got to pay. His, oh, Johnny Depp ain't paying what he's agreed to pay in the divorce. Oh, man. Oh, look at Kanye. Kanye done lost his mind. Yeah. Ooh, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. Oh, my God. Look at that. Com- I got to watch that. That's a crazy combination. But you also Reason. also have to look at it as, you know, the average person going to the grocery store looking at those types of things, you know, see these celebrities with 
that are having problems and they're able to view their life differently. You know, Ooh, that's great. That's great. That's great. Can I jump in right there? I'm, yeah. I'm, no, finish. Finish. Go ahead. I was, no, that's it. Ahead. I got excited. That's it. Go so ahead. this word average person, what the heck is average person? The average person that doesn't that is not in front of the camera that, you know, their lives aren't being paparazzied all over L.A. or wherever they go all well, the time. With, with, with social media, everybody's in the media. You aren't. Everybody's you you camera. you don't have a, a a Twitter account. What's up no, with that, Tico? I don't. You know what? <laughs> I didn't sign up for for Facebook, and two, three, four, five people signed me up for Facebook. <laughs> At first, I called Facebook. I talked to Facebook. Said, "Take me off Facebook. I don't want to be on Facebook." <laughs> but it, but then they did something. They started pulling from Google and putting people on Facebook, whether they wanted to be on or there or not. Wow. I don't even have a choice. Did not know that. You know, people are on the Internet who never even look at the Internet. (laughs) We're all in the media. We're all all media stars. That's that's why people love social media. Because everybody can be a star now. You know, I I got a page on YouTube. It's called Make Peace You, the letter U, Make Peace You. And I asked everybody on there, how do we create peace? Mm Mm-hmm. I got about a hundred and some videos up there of just all people, all walks of life answering, trying to answer that question. How do we create peace? What is the number one thing most people are saying? It's all over the board. Mm. People say we can't do it. People say it's already happening. People say it's up to God. People say we got to learn to love each other, work together. Uh, Some people just go, ooh, oh, no. Uh, you know, I, I got a guy on there who was who was an ex gangbanger, was shot in the back, and he's paralyzed now. And he, you know, he was like, it doesn't even exist. And then all of a sudden, I said, well, what do you want to do? What are you interested in? He started saying, I want to be one of those people that make the plans for houses. I said, architect? Yeah, yeah, one of those. And he lit up. Mm. He went from just being totally depressed and 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 pushed down to joyous and and hopeful by just a conversation mm-hmm. like who stops him on the street he's rolling down the street in north hollywood in a wheelchair who stops somebody on the street that how do we create peace you know some you know i had children i had i had celebrities i had bruno mars i had you know uh all kinds of people mm-hmm. and it's not a question that we ask ourselves much it's not a question and that's almost what Colin Kaepernick is asking to me. How do we create peace? Mm-hmm. How do we create love in the world so that my children and your children are feel fearful of each other? Is that even in the reality maker's dream list? Yeah. How do we stop hating and gritting on each other? And it's not really a white-black thing. Because, see, as a black man, I meet white folks who are asking the same thing. Why are we so loony on this planet? Fear. Why? Why Fear. are we polluting the world? Why are we? Why are we hoarding food? Why are we hoarding housing? Why are we? Fear. You know? Why are we not loving those who loving everybody? Why are we not loving ourselves as a family? Why are we so crazy? Why are we so sick? And yet we're so talented at the same thing. That's the paradox. We are talented. We are brilliant. We're geniuses. Our potential is exponential. 
And yet, what we end up playing out is the smallest part of ourselves, the most average part of ourselves. And, and average. And, and, what does average mean, Tico? <laughs> yes, I know, right? Av, average. 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 I know what avarice is. Average. <laughs> it, it's you know, in it's it's a word we may need to get out of our vocabulary. Yes. What is it that we only use three percent of our brain? Or something and like who that. Spread, who spread that propaganda around? <laughs> the who internet. Measured, the internet. Who measured consciousness and and said, "Oh, I think we got ninety-seven uh, percent uh, being wasted here." Who measured that? It was. That's what I'm talking about right. reality makers. Yes. Reality makers put out a statement, and before anybody investigates it, it's, it's, it's viral. Right. But it, it, it could have been a fact and viral. It's a bot that was created in Russia and made made as a fact. Yeah. Six months down the line. What we think we know, but haven't taken the time to even investigate. And that's in all walks of our lives. We look at a person, we look at their clothes, we look at their profession, and we make assumptions. Assumptions, checklists. Okay, boom, boom, boom. They must be cool. I can invite them in my house. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, she's a, a stripper, so she's not trustworthy. Oh, he's a Republican. Okay, great. I can trust him. Or she's an independent. Yeah, I can trust them. Oh, he's a black man. He wears a hoodie. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm not trusting him, right? He's a white man. He's got a hoodie on. Oh, he's athletic. Cool. So there, there's unconscious bias. Unconscious bias. That's a beautiful phrase. Yeah. Unconscious bias. And dig this. Dig this. How do we? How do we get to a consciousness where we can even look at somebody like George Bush, who has a lot of publicity out about him that he's an idiot, and love him? Well, but that is also an assumption. You know, yeah, Terry Bradshaw gets a rap of being an idiot sometimes, you know, and he from some of the films and some of the things he said in, in, in the document football life stories about him, you know, that even in Pittsburgh, he wasn't really beloved, you know. And I look at this guy and, and he plays, you know, he plays into that whole dumb thing and they, they play it up on the show on a Fox Sports show. Um, How dare son. you? How dare you, Tico? <laughs> Mention another network. Hey, I, I have no allegiance. I have no allegiance. I love you all. Yeah, that is someone's son. That's somebody's son. That's a little boy who grew up, won four Super Bowls. Just to label him, like Dave Chappelle said, to call somebody crazy is dismissive. But it's not expedient to take that type of time. It's not expedient. It's not expedient. We call somebody like Obama intelligent because he speaks well and um, yeah. has a, a pretty decent uh, vocabulary. No, and, but, uh, but he is. He made it to president. He, but he is very intelligent. Well, what are we, is he more intelligent than that person who knows how to take my car engine apart and put it back together? Who looks like a grease ball all no, day? No, who, who can barely speak there, English, but, there's, you know, is, is, is from, from Mexico somewhere? There, is he more intelligent is, or is it? that he's more intelligent in certain areas. They're, Give him right. that car. Give him that car and say, you know, my head gasket blew. Fix that. No, absolutely. There are different types of intelligence. Like, yeah. I, I mean, someone said that I didn't have, what is it called, street intelligence? But, street smart. Yes, yeah, street smart. Thanks. And But, you know, I feel that I do. Whatever. Right. Anyway. Right. Whatever. You know. You know. You can survive. You feel comfortable <laughs> surviving out there. Yeah. 
but you're absolutely right. There are people that have skills, but how do you how do you separate intelligence from skills? And is intelligence overrated? Well, and then there are some people that know a lot of words and speak a lot of words to uh, hide from, you know, their own insecurities and will talk you out of a room because that's their mechanism of surviving. Yeah. Bam! Drop the mic. We're, we're polluting the planet at such a rate. It's frightening. How intelligent are we? Come on, Tico. We can't end on a low note. Okay. This so is the new year. So- So I'm putting it out there in the new year that all of us look in the mirror and say, how can I make a difference in my environment, in my family, in my community, on this planet, to make this planet a more sustainable, more loving, more uh, human-friendly, environment, animal-friendly place to be? We can do it. I believe it. If I'm a writer, screenwriter, screenwriter, okay, I know I know how to how to write a show to, to blow up 10 buildings and kill 50 people in the first 30 minutes. That uh, attracts the 17 to 34 demographic male. Dig it. Dig <laughs> it. Do I have the intelligence to take my skills and use it to uplift the planet? Yeah. Can I write a movie or uh, can I put a TV show out there that is designed to raise the consciousness of the planet? Or am I just concerned with sex, violence, and rock and roll mm. and making a million dollars? Oh, mighty dollar. A million dollars. Oh, mighty dollar. <laughs> oh, you have money, nice... money, money, money. <laughs> Man, you have a great voice. You should have been choir boy on the five heartbeats. I should have been choir boy on the five heartbeats. <laughs> oh, 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 you just reminded me of something. So today, this morning, what came to me was how can I, how can we as a society be aware, be more aware without being just totally negative? Ah, I yes. don't want to be one of those people, you know, that people, ah, conspiracy theorists, or he's, you know, he's talking that ethereal, that woo-woo stuff. It'll never happen. Woo-woo. <laughs> people will never love each other. Mm. Races will never get together. Can't do it. How can we be more creative, loving, uh, transformative in this realm that we're in? Yeah. How can we be in it but not of it? That... Not just from a religious point of view, because I'm, I'm, I'm retired from religion. I'm a, I'm a retired religious person. <laughs> but how can we actually find love? People criticize Kanye. We don't know his story. We don't know yeah. what's going on in that man's life, what pressures he's under. It's dismissive. It's dismissive. Even that redneck Ku Klux Klan person, what got that person to that insane, mm-hmm. insane level? These are some sick people. These are some sick people. But there's, there's somebody's child. They didn't just come out. They weren't just born like that. Yeah. It was conditioning, I believe. Every KKK member is not just born with hatred. They were conditioned that this is okay to be like this. I'm going to teach you who your enemies are, and I'm going to teach you how to deal with them. The black militant wasn't born a black militant. It's an answer to an environment, in my opinion, from what I can see. It's an answer to the pain. Where was love missing? That's what I'm contemplating. That's the only way I can see love on a universal level is to realize hatred and all that is, is, is coming out of some deep pain. That sounds, we're, all, we're all at the effect. That sounds like a good way to enter 2017, Tico. Yeah, love. Love. I thank you so much for having me on your show, taking time out to give me a chance to go on a rant. Yes. So I wish you much success, happiness, health, wealth, and so much love in your life. Thank you. And I take all of that. And same to you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you.
best known for the choir boy in The Five Heartbeats, actor and health enthusiast, Mr. Tico Wells. Thank you for joining me. Wishing you all a very happy and healthy 2017. I'm LaFern Cusack here on ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.